This is Parsha Panorama. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vashanan here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. And Parsha's Vashanan is not only a super jam packed Parsha, but it is a more monumental Parsha than many actually realize. And that is because, as per the title of this shear, Parsha's Vashanan contains Moshe Rabbeinu's most quotable quotes. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you look, of any Parsha in the entire Torah, the most often quoted Parsha happens to be Parsha's Vashanan. I'm, I'm quite confident about that. And that is because there are so many lines or even full passages or paragraphs in Parsha's Vashanan that make it into our liturgy. There are some parts that we say, if not every single day, at least several times a week. There are some passages that we actually say multiple times a day. So much of our religious experience in terms of our davening, though the words, the most famous words that we know in our, in, in, in our Jewish religious experience comes right out of this week's Parsha. And it kind of makes you wonder if it was just a coincidence that some of the most important pieces of Musr and, and pledges of allegiance, if you will, in the religious Torah experience is it just a coincidence that they come from Parshas Ve'eschanon, that just Moshe Rabbeinu happened to have said all the right things in this Parsha? Or maybe there was a particular energy that was running through the Parsha, that for some, some reason or another, this was the Parsha that would um, be destined to be the host and headquarters of all of the most important things that Moshe Rabbeinu has ever said. I'm not going to say that there aren't other Parshas where Moshe Rabbeinu has said very important things. We'll talk about a very important line coming up in next week's Parsha. And there are many Parshas that have pieces that make it into our liturgy, but not that many Parshas that have the amount of pieces as Vaishanan. So what we're going to try to figure out is based on the placing of this Parsha, based on the overall content of the Parsha, what, what made Parsha's Vaishanan and all of its words and lines so particularly important and famous. I don't really know how famous Va'eschanan is for being the host of all of these important Psukim, but the Psukim by themselves are very, very crucial, and we're going to try to um, to explore why that might be as we do what we normally do here at Parsha Panorama, and that is to try to understand the different components of the Parsha, what this Parsha means in the larger map of the Sefer, Sefer Devarim, and of course the best that we can to try to understand this Parsha's place in the Torah. Now we know in general this is Moshe Rabbeinu's speech, and that leaves us with the challenge that we started addressing last week, and that is if the, if the majority of Sefer Devarim is Moshe Rabbeinu just talking, so we have to try to piece together and also maybe separate into the right components the different parts of Moshe Rabbeinu's speech. Because in Moshe Rabbeinu's prophetic stream of consciousness, if we can call it that, we have to try to understand how Moshe Rabbeinu gets from one topic to the next. So that's one issue that we're going to continue to address this week. So again, because not only is Parsha Zavaschanan a super jam-packed Parsha, and not only is it as monumental as we're going to demonstrate um, soon, but it is still fraught with the same 
complex challenge of trying to understand Moshe Rabbeinu's words point by point. What is Moshe Rabbeinu trying to communicate to us? Because again, he's saying a lot of different things. And there are some parts where he's giving historical review and some parts where he is, is pepping us up and, and, and pepping and prepping us and trying to guide us in the proper way to serve Hashem. So we have to try to notice the difference between those two parts and figure out, again, point by point, what is Moshe Rabbeinu trying to tell us? And yet, there's another challenge in Parshas Vayaschanan, because we have a very rare exception in Parshas Vayaschanan. It's an exception to most of the rules of Sefer Devarim. And that is that, and, and if, you, if you blink, you miss it. It's, it's really subtle, it's really quick, and um, it kind of just passes us by. But pretty early on in the Parsha, we have a point where Moshe Rabbeinu actually stops talking, he stops, he interrupts his speech, he does something, and then after doing that thing, the Chumash returns to Moshe Rabbeinu's speech, and Moshe Rabbeinu, um, you know, per, um, he, he resumes talking to the Bnei Yisrael. And in most of Sefer Devarim, we do not find that. So as we're continuing this journey through Moshe Rabbeinu's words, try to understand Moshe Rabbeinu's um, seemingly um, uncalled for, or at least um, his surprising stopping point. So that's something that we'll be on the lookout for. And without further ado, actually we'll have one moment of ado just for now, just, just for this moment. And that is that I'll point out before we get to the components of the Parsha, if you stay tuned long enough, we'll also get to all of the monumental pieces. We're going to give honorable mention to all the most important and famous lines from our liturgy that make it into the Parsha. That will come at the end. So just um, just keep it in mind. Some of the pieces will emerge from the components of the Parsha. As I list them to you, some of them will jump right out at you. Um, but in the meantime, now, without further ado, for real, um, let's, let's go through the components of the Parsha, try to understand exactly also what is the Parsha about. So if I, if I would try to outline the entire parsha from you just from the get-go, I would tell you, of course, that this is, again, Moshe Rabbeinu continuing to talk, uh, but was he talking about at this point, right? What makes this parsha different from Parshas Akev, which is going to be next week, or Parshas Devarim, which was last week's parsha? So that's something that we're going to have to address as we move along, but if I can summarize it, I would say that Moshe Rabbeinu in this parsha is reviewing um, our bris with Hashem, and that bris's ramifications, particularly on the people who are going to enter Eretz Yisrael. This is Moshe Rabbeinu's audience, after all. He's not talking to a generation of people that are not going into the land. These are the people that will be going into the land. So with that said, Moshe Rabbeinu is preparing us to enter that land, and he's doing that through the prism of talking about our covenant with Hashem. And again, what the implications are of that covenant for us and when, when, when we practically enter Eretz Yisrael, what, what does that covenant um, demand of us? Okay, so that's really what the Parsha is about. And then we get to the specific components. So the Parsha begins with Moshe Rabbeinu's reflection of his rejected tefillah. I dive into Hashem at that time. What time? So we'll have to get back to that. But I dive into Hashem at that time that he should let me enter Eretz Yisrael. Hashem said, no, he got angry at me. Fine. That's how Moshe Rabbeinu starts off this part of his speech. Why is that significant? So 
Just keep that on the back burner for now. But that's how Moshe Rabbeinu starts this part of the speech. The next part, we get up to what I refer to as the pep talk for keeping the Torah. And this is made up of a bunch of components. Um, but he talks about how the Bnei Israel have to make sure to listen to the commandments, not to add or subtract to any of the commandments, that they have to um, have devekas to Hashem, as opposed to those of the Bnei Israel who were tzamid, who embraced Baal Pa'or, says uh, Rashi. So you, on the other hand, that you who cleave to Hashem, as opposed to those who were embracing the Baal Pa'or, you cleave to Hashem, and therefore you're still alive. And so therefore you got to keep to the Torah, do what Hashem says. And in this particular, so the, right there you get a shout out to one of the famous psukim that we say this one at least uh, four times a week. Every time we have Kriyasa Torah, we say this Pasuk. Okay, so that's the first one. Okay, um, in this same section, at least in this pep talk, Moshe Rabbeinu talks about how our, our cleaving to the Torah, our adherence to the Torah, is what creates our reputation of wisdom among the nations, right? The, 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 the Goyim, um, they might say many different things. The Gentile nations, they'll say different, a bunch of different things about us. They might say that we have big noses. They might say that we're evil geniuses. They might say that we're money-hungry. They'll say a lot of different things about us. You notice they almost never, uh, they'll never say that we're dumb. Right? We have a reputation of being wise. And there's a reason for that. It's because we have the Torah HaKadosha. So Moshe Rabbeinu um, you know, um, makes reference to the fact that the Goyim realized this. Okay? He also talks about um, the sight of the Sinai experience. And he warns them very vehemently against recreating visual aids of what they saw at Har Sinai. So what we know... Maybe, if, um, if you're familiar enough with the Vaschanan, is that what Moshe Rabbeinu is eventually going to talk about is the Asaras Adibras. He's going to review, as again we mentioned earlier, the covenants. He's going to review that covenant. He's going to talk about the Asaras Adibras. He's going to list them for us once again. Mepharshim talk about the differences in the text between this Asaras Adibras and the old Asaras Adibras. That's fine. Um, maybe we'll address that topic a little later. We'll give some mention to it. But... Before Moshe Rabbeinu gets there, Moshe Rabbeinu describes the site. Here's what you saw at Har Sinai. Here's what you should not recreate. Because you never actually saw what Hashem looks like. Um, that, that doesn't, you know, Hashem doesn't really have, in, uh, have a body. As we say in Yigdal, so Moshe Rabbeinu warns them, don't recreate images. And in the same, in the same section, Moshe Rabbeinu reminds them, I'm not joining you. Now, this can already explain a little bit the beginning of the Parsha, we were wondering, why does Moshe Rabbeinu make reference to the fact that he asked Hashem that if he could enter the land, and Moshe Rabbeinu said, um, and that Hashem said no. So why is Moshe talking about this before he gets to his pep talk? So a very Pashupshat answer, we can explain, and we're not, this is not the only answer that we're going to suggest, but a very fair answer, which will enable you to sleep at night, is that Moshe Rabbeinu, this is his way of telling them, listen, I'm not going to be there when you guys go into the land. So here's what you got to do. Here's what you have to know right now for when I'm gone. So Moshe Rabbeinu is, is essentially communicating that by, by telling them, yeah, I'm not coming with you. Hashem said no. Okay, so that's so. All of this is what I would refer to as Moshe Rabbeinu's spiritual survival kit for the Bnei Israel. Then we get to the section three. So we had Moshe Rabbeinu's rejected tefillah. We have the pep talk in section three, and I'm apologizing now because there's going to be nine sections. But it's because it's such a long parsha, and all the different components of the parsha are very, very major. I, I wouldn't want to just. 
um, try to summarize the entire Parsha and say the whole Parsha is about Moshe Rabbeinu talking. Again, the, the, the goal here is to understand each component of the Parsha. So I'm trying to give you everything in a way that you'll actually have everything and not be missing parts. So, um, you know, so you don't, don't really, really don't get upset at me, get upset at the Torah, get upset at Hashem, and um, then once you realize that there's no benefit to doing that, then you'll appreciate the rest of the content in this shear. Okay, uh, back to the shear. So in section three of nine, um, we have the section that we actually laned on Tishabov. And this is the section of Kisolid Banim. Well, eventually you're going to have children. Okay, so Moshe Bain is now talking about the next generation. He warns the Bnei Israel of this generation about the exile that will eventually come to children who are naughty and redemption to those children who change their ways and decide to be nice. So in uh, more um, descriptive terms, he, he mentions that the Bnei Israel um, are on the track of straying after idols. So they shouldn't um, lull themselves into a false sense of security that they're not going to be, um, they're not going to be plagued by the, by the test of Avodah Zarah, but they will be, in fact. Um, and Hashem's mercy and his recollection of the covenant is going to be what's going to spare them. And Moshe Rabbeinu reminds them that 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 Hashem chose them at Har Sinai, and because of that, so again, Moshe Rabbeinu keeps going back to the Har Sinai. This Har Sinai thing is very important because apparently it's the basis of our eternal um, relationship with Hashem. It's the thing that even when we've veered far away, there's still going to be some connection between us and Hashem. That Hashem's going to try to help us even when we're in that tight spot, even when we're in Galus. And so the unifying theme of of this section of Kisolid Banim is. I would refer to this all as the spiritual revival kit. So earlier we had the spiritual survival kit. This is the spiritual revival kit. If we hold true to the covenant, we remember that Hashem chose us at Har Sinai, even you know, in once upon a time in the future when Chas v'shalom, things will go wrong and we'll actually have an about face to Hashem, there will still be a basis for a connection that can get us back. Okay, that is where Moshe Rabbeinu stops his speech. It says, Az Yavdil Moshe. At that point, Moshe Rabbeinu decided to designate three out of the six Arei Miklot. The other three Arei Miklot that he's not designating are on the other side of the Jordan. So there, you know, the other side of the Yardin. So Moshe Rabbeinu can't go over there. Hashem already said no. So this is getting a little bit into what Moshe Rabbeinu is doing now. This, um, you know, with the question is, why is Moshe Rabbeinu right now stopping his speech, interrupting his speech to, to designate these cities? So, again, I'll give a simple answer before trying to give some more answers later, but just so you can sleep at night if you have to stop the recording right now and you need to go to sleep, so this will help you. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu just finished speaking about how he's not going to be joining them. So Moshe Rabbeinu does an action that kind of demonstrates um, and, and, and concretizes this reality, that whatever Moshe Rabbeinu is doing here stays here. Right, he, he, nothing he's doing is going into the. It has anything to do with going into the land. It's about all the things that he can't do, because he's not going into the land. So one thing that he can still do is designate these cities. Rashi talks about how Moshe Rabbeinu wants to begin the mitzvah, even if he won't be able to complete it. But anyway, Moshe Rabbeinu is taking the first steps, designating the cities of refuge that he will not be able to designate later. But the, with the three that are on this side of the Yardin, he's going to designate them right now. But again, it's still unclear why this is the moment in time that Moshe Rabbeinu chooses to do this, but maybe, maybe part of it is going back to the beginning of the parsha. Moshe Rabbeinu spoke about how he is not entering the land. But there's still, 
you know, the, 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 um, that this all could have happened at the end of the Parsha, right? So, um, you know, so we, we still have to try to do a little bit of work to understand why Moshe Rabbeinu reflects on this detail now. Because even if you're going to, even if you're able to understand Moshe Rabbeinu's, con- the connection between Moshe Rabbeinu's, um, um, his rejected tefillah, that he's not going to enter the land, and all the things he decides to discuss, what we still have not fully explained is what Moshe Rabbeinu meant when he said, I daven to Hashem at that time. What's that time? Right, so that we have to go back to, because apparently that time has to, by definition, just logically, as you're reading it, this has to connect to something that happened in last week's Parsha, or something that Moshe spoke about in last week's Parsha. But Esahi, at that time, what time? So we'll have to get to that. So, again, keep that on the back burner, and we will now continue. After Moshe Rabbeinu designates the three out of the six Ari Mikla, we go back to Moshe Rabbeinu's speech. This is where Moshe Rabbeinu actually reviews the content of the Aseris Adibros. He talks about how the people expressed fear and that Hashem made certain accommodations. Or the people said, how can we look at Hashem in the face? We can't handle it. So Hashem said, okay, don't worry, I'll speak to Moshe. Moshe will speak to you, etc. Section six is the section of... Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad and the passage of Viahafta Eis Hashem Lekach Abchol Vachavchon Ashchav Vachol Miodecha. We have Shema and Viahafta, which is after we had the covenant. Now Moshe Rabbeinu is going to a different direction, I guess, to talk about our command to recognize the unity of Hashem. That Hashem has has a unique oneness, and that we have a command to love Him and love him with every sense of our being. And not only that, but to take those words, that pledge, and we have to speak these words, teach these words to our children, write these words on our arm, and place them between our eyes, and, 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 and inscribe them on our doorposts. I'm literally just translating via hafta, if you weren't sure, but we, you know, we often don't really think about what the words mean as we say them. But really, you know, take a look at the words of Vihafta in English, look at what they mean, and try to get a real understanding of what Hashem wants us to do. Vihayuhadvarima these words, what do you what do I want you to do with these words? Which words? The words of Shema Yisrael Shemakin Shemachad and Vihafta. We have to make these part of ourselves. Okay? So that's Shman Vihafta. Section seven, we're almost done, okay? So you can relax. We get to a new warning. Hashem says, when you enter the land, don't forget Hashem and don't stray for idols. So why is this problematic? Well, didn't we just have a warning about straying after idolatry? Right? He just said, Kisolid Bunim, when your children will eventually do such a thing. So why not merge this section with section 3, where we spoke about the warning for Avodazar? It's a very Pashapshat um, explanation. We have maybe two Pashapshat explanations. I'll just give them to you right now. One is before he was talking about what your children might do, right? You, you, you probably feel like you're not going to do it, but your children might. If you don't train them, if you're not mechanic them properly, your children, he solid bunim, your, bu- your bunim might mess up. But you, you, think, like, you don't think you'll ever mess up, right? Says Moshe Benu, don't get so comfortable. Don't, don't be so sure. Don't be so confident. You, you don't stray. You know, I'm not just worried about your kids, I'm worried about you. Or you could have the reverse. I'm not just worried about you, I'm worried about your kids. And it's, it's both. And so now Moshe Benu says, don't think this is just something that you have to impart to your kids, and, if, you, and if, you, if you're not careful, it won't be imparted. But you may drop the ball. So that's one point. 
Now, this still could have been a, the same section with section 3. It could have mentioned both points in one section. So I would give an additional answer that before Moshe Rabbeinu might have been talking about the intellectual aspect. If you go back to what Moshe Rabbeinu said before warning against Kisolid Banim, that your children will serve idols, he mentioned the idea of making physical um, and visual representations of what you saw at Harsinai. There, Moshe Rabbeinu was making an intellectual argument. Here, Moshe Rabbeinu is making an emotional appeal, as we're going to see. The intellectual argument was, you didn't, you didn't actually see what God looks like. And so if you're going to mislead um, yourselves and others by creating these images, so, you know, then, then um, idolatry is going to become part of your fate. Because you're going to try to understand God, you're going to, going to make these images, people are going to get the wrong idea. Your children, for sure, who didn't, who didn't see it, you know, they're going to mess up. Now... Moshe Rabbeinu is coming off of the coattails of Shman v'Ahavta. You have to love Hashem for all the wonderful things He's done for you. You're going to enter a land that was built and created and everything planted. Everything was set up for you. You know, Hashem's wonderful land. And you might just forget Hashem while you're there and you'll serve idols. How could you, though? Before the argument was an intellectual one. You know, you can't, you know, like, recognize that it's, it's, it's unintelligent and incorrect to, to make these images and serve other gods. But now Moshe Rabbeinu is making the argument of how could you possibly do such a thing, considering how Hashem will have set you up for all the successes. Okay, so that's section 7. Section 8, we have Kishalcha ben Chamachar, the question of the wise son from the Haggadah, followed by Avadim Hayinu. Right, this section, which is the only section from the four sons that is not found in Parshas Bo. All the other three, the other, the other three sons are all in Parshas Bo, but the wise son is here in Parshas Vaeschanan. So, separate um, for a separate time, a discussion of why that might be. But be that as it may, we have the question of the wise son, which is not to be mistaken with the question of the Russia. The Russia says, "What are these mitzvot to you? Right? What's this avoda, this burden to you?" The Chacham asks. What are the mitzvahs, or the, the edos, the chukim, all these things, the mishpatim? Now, the Haggadah has a drash in it that understands that he wants to know what, uh, what is each mitzvah, and you tell him what each mitzvah is. You tell him everything up until the laws about the afikomen. However, the pashup shot from the chumash, basic, basic pashup shot, is he's actually asking a larger question. He's asking what is the basis for all of these things, and you elaborate with Avadim Ayinu, and the Haggadah does not actually quote the whole passage, but if you look at the entire passage, the entire passage is actually telling us um, to give him a full answer to that question. Right? When we answer him, Avadim Ayinu, so, so the, the Chumash continues. This is what the Father should really say. The Haggadah, as we've mentioned in, in our Haggadah Shir, is really only the manual for everything, that, for everything that we're supposed to say. But there's so much more that we're supposed to say. And the Haggadah just gives us the basic. But if you look in the Chumash, it says this, the father theoretically would continue. Hashem did all these things in Mitzrayim. Before our eyes, we all witness it. He took us, um, um, so he brought us to, the, to this land, right? He did all of this for us. And when, after, you know, in doing that, he commanded us, all these things Hashem commanded us to do, I guess the goal being to ultimately fear Hashem, so that should be good for us, um, for all the days so that we can live, just like we've lived up until now, doing these things. 
So what we're actually telling him is, why, uh, you know, what is the basis? So the basis is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and in doing Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Hashem commanded us all these things. And we continue, the Father continues, and it'll actually be a tzedakah for us. La'asos. That, that we gu- that we guard and perform as If we do everything before Hashem the way He told us, it'll actually be appropriate of us, and it'll actually be a good thing for us. So we tell him why, you know, he should do these things, right? And this is a great response, almost to Ki Solid Bunim. Uh, that, you know, what, what our children might do in the future, here's how we save them, here's how we spare them. Not only that, but the Vishinantam Levanecha, which we just said in Shman Hafta, that you have to teach it to your children, make your children fluent in the Torah. So how do you do that? You do, this passage seems to explain how you do that. Your, ch- your child's going to ask you what's the basis for everything, and in explaining it to him, yes, you do what the Haggadah tells you to do. You tell him all the halachos, but you give him the basic the background. You give him the basis, right? The Russia's not asking for the basis. The Russia's asking, why do you care, right? He, he, you know, the Russia is not doesn't plan on observing, but uh, but the Chacham, right, the wise son, he's asking for the basis. You give it to him. You will, you you outline it for him, and you explain that Hashem. Ultimately, is doing this for our, doing this to us for our good, and that's why we've been doing it up until now. Okay. Anyway, that's the the passage of the wise son, and in this passage also, in the Hashem, um, warn, um, so Moshe Rabbeinu warns the Bnei Israel not to test Hashem when uh, you know when we're not sure, but to obey. And then, when your son asks you this question, so you reflect on Mitzrayim and you you answer the question. Okay. Fine. Good. Section 9, we have the command to wipe out the seven nations and all of their idolatry, to understand why we are different. This is where Moshe Rabbeinu seems to finish his preparation, um, at least for this Parsha, because that, this is where the Parsha closes. And one thing that we always have to try to wonder, especially in Sefer Devarim, is why the Parsha ends here. Right? Because now we're going to have Parsha's Akev next week. But in this section, um, we, Moshe Rabbeinu seems to conclude this phase of the preparation for going into Eretz Canaan. What I noticed a few years ago is an interesting bookend that we find. And this might begin to answer the question of why Moshe Rabbeinu stops here. But we have an Isser in the Torah regarding the seven Canaanite nations of lo sichonim, which means not to show them grace or not to give them uh, favor. Some interpret it according to halacha, not to give a Gentile a free gift that has no um, motivation. If there's, a, if there's motivation, if there's a gain you can give by giving a gift or by giving um, praise to a Gentile, let's say, you know, you have like celebrity worship or something, or maybe you, just, you have a really good guy. Um, so there, there, there are actually halachas about what you're allowed to say about a Gentile or, or what you are allowed to... Um, I think it's particularly talking about an idolater. So just to qualify that. Um, not to give them free gifts and not to, um, not, not to overly praise. The reason why this, this word is important, so is the intro to also don't intermarry with them. Um, interesting that we, that we spoke a little bit about. Um, we, we made reference to intermarriage in our tuba of Shir this week. Um, but here, we, but lo sichanim is important because this actually relates to the opening words of the parsha. The word chanan, chanan, is a lashon. Says Rashi, favor, something that you just do someone a favor, um, not necessarily warranted by anything. Moshe Rabbeinu davened for a free gift, and a Gentile, someone that we're not supposed to give a free gift to. So we have these bookends. So very, very fascinating. And this, again, might be the beginning of some explanation. Next week, we'll have to try to 
uh, to give a full answer to that question of why the parsha ended where it did and began, and, you know, begins now where it does. But now we can. Now that we got through all these sections, I can mention them to you one more time, and then we'll start addressing our larger questions. So the sections, once again, we have Moshe Rabbeinu's rejected tefillah ve'eschanan. Then we have the pep talk for keeping the Torah, that which I referred to as the spiritual survival kit, listening to the commandments, not adding and subtracting, devekus to Hashem, the reputation of being wise among the nations, um, the Sinai experience. Um, the fact that Moshe is not joining them, fine. Section 3, we had Kisol Advanim, what happens when your children will go into exile for serving idols. Then we have Moshe Rabbeinu's designation of the three out of six Arei Mikla. Then Moshe Rabbeinu starts talking again. Uh, section 5, we have the review of the Aseris Dibros. Then Section 6, we have Shemayam Hafta. Section 7, we have the warning, um, the other warning, not to, when you, know, when you enter a land, don't forget Hashem, don't do Avodah this one is talking to this this people themselves. Section A, we have the question of the wise son. We have Avadim Ayinu, again, another famous passage. And section number nine, um, we have the command to wipe out the seven nations and their idolatry and to understand why we are different. So therefore, don't give them grace and don't give them, um, don't, don't give them our children in marriage and don't marry them ourselves. Okay. So let's go back to Moshe Rabbeinu beginning his, um, this segment of his speech with the memory about his rejected prayers, perhaps 515 of them, that Hashem allowed him to Eretz Yisrael. So why is that relevant now? We spoke a little bit about what has to do with what follows. A little bit, there's more to be said. But why does Moshe Rabbeinu um, begin this parsha this way? And what is Vayeschanan el Hashem Vayesahi? It happened at that time. So the answer to this question, very, very important. If we go back to Vayesahi... So, if you look back at the very end of Parshas Devarim, so there we find those words, Ba'esahi. And at that time, I commanded Yehoshua. So at what time? What time was it when you commanded them? So, if you look... Now, actually, if you look earlier in the parsha, it also it says "va'atzav eschem ba'isahi lemor." So, what what are all these ba'isahis? So, Moshe Rabbeinu talks about the conquering of Sichon and Og, right? That was the last major war that we fought, and Moshe Rabbeinu um, instated Yehoshua. Really, the the, um, the um, Yehoshua was selected in Parshas Pinchas. Sichon and Og is not recorded until Matos and Masay. But all in the general vicinity of that, of that, of that time slot, they, we, were, we were told to take possession of the land, and we were told that um, we were told that that Moshe commanded Yoshua that since his eyes had seen everything that your God has done to these two kings, so um, Hashem will do to all the nations, etc., etc. So basically, Moshe Rabbeinu prepares Yoshua. It was at that time that Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, pep talked Yehoshua that Moshe Rabbeinu prayed to Hashem once again. What does this show you? Moshe Rabbeinu is very well aware of the fact that he's not going to be leading the Bnei Yisrael. And nonetheless, says Moshe Rabbeinu, I tried. I tried to get into Eretz Yisrael to be there and, and you know, by, all, by any means necessary, I daven and daven and daven, Hashem told me to stop praying. And Yehoshua was going to be next in line. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, at that time I davened because I really wanted to go in. Not, not because I wanted to maintain my power. I wanted to, whatever, to fulfill my dream of, of, of going into Israel with you, to fulfill Hashem's Ratzon there, fill in the blank with whatever you want, um, as long as it obviously gives the proper respect to Moshe Rabbeinu. 
But the point is that Moshe Rabbeinu is now saying, now what? My dreams were crushed. I was not given what I wanted. But not only that, even though I knew I wasn't going to be leading you, I knew Yehoshua was going to be doing that, but realize as I now admonish you about what's to be in the future, I'm not even going to be available. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not like that Rav, that community Rav, who takes a back seat to the assistant Rav and, you know, he retires, but he's still going to dive in the shul and just be there, and just in case any shilas come up, you know, just to be of help. Moshe Rabbeinu will not be available. He will not be, he will not be one phone call away. So he's going to be gone. And this is what Moshe Rabbeinu is communicating right now. So that's one important of a point. Another important point is what Hashem tells Moshe to do after Hashem tells Moshe no, and what Moshe does after Hashem tells him no. Hashem says now that I'm telling you no, go strengthen these people and tell them what they need to hear. Right, the actual Lashon. Where is it? Okay, it says, He says, command Yehoshua, strengthen him. And then says, Moshe, and now what? Listen to whatever God says. That's Moshe Rabbeinu's theme here. I'm not going to be with you. But you know what? I'm not finished. Hashem told me no, but I still have a job here. And until my contract is up, says Moshe, here's everything important that you need to hear. And we were wondering, why are there so many famous passages in Sefer, in, in Parshas Vayaschanon? And I think the answer is, because once Moshe Rabbeinu is laying it all out there, this is Moshe Rabbeinu's last hurrah, as it were. This is his last chance to properly lead the Bnei Israel to tell them what they need to hear. All of the most important points from here on in are coming in Parshas Vayaschanon. We're going to see. There's a point where Moshe Rabbeinu stops his speech, as we mentioned. He does an action. He, he separates the cities. And then he opens up his speech again. What's happening in that speech? So some of the most famous and important verses are coming. Shema, Yehafta. And this is how Moshe Rabbeinu, um, again, the true Evet Hashem, look at what a person who was just told no to the one thing he wanted in life, and nonetheless, like an Evet Hashem, he's going to continue doing what his responsibility is to do. And you know that when Moshe Rabbeinu says, that love Hashem with every, uh, with every aspect of your being, even if even if he takes your life away, if he, if he says you're going to die and not get to fulfill your dreams, if he takes everything you love and care about from you, still love Hashem. So you know that Moshe Rabbeinu means it. But anyway, I think that's what makes the energy in Parsha's Vashanan so appropriate for all the messages that Moshe Rabbeinu would communicate in the Parsha. Okay, so now we talked a little bit about why Moshe Rabbeinu, or we, we started addressing the question, why does Moshe Rabbeinu separate the cities in the middle of his speech? So the Ibn Ezra says that basically that's when it happened. Now the Ramban uh, um, contends and says maybe not. The Chizkuni says that Az Yavdil Moshe is actually still part of Moshe Rabbeinu's speech, that Moshe Rabbeinu was talking in third person. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult read, but that's what he suggests. Rashbam, Svarno, um, Rashi makes reference, and the Ramban and Kliyokar, they all make reference, and this could be al Pidrash a little bit, that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them how to cleave to the mitzvahs, how to love and do the mitzvahs. So what's Moshe Rabbeinu's logical next step to practice what he preaches? So he's about to also continue talking about doing the mitzvahs. So now Moshe Rabbeinu is going to show, okay, here's how I do a mitzvah. I'm doing something that demonstrates my love and my wanting, my yearning to somehow fulfill a, a commandment of God. So that's another explanation 
here we also have, it's around this section that we have the Pasuk of right? This is another Kriyasa Torah line. We say this after Hagba. So again, four times a week at least. Now this line, it's unclear what it's modifying. Is it modifying the text that comes before or the text that comes after? So I have a much longer essay trying to explain this strange Pasuk. But the point, um, in, in, in fewer words, uh, because we don't have time for all that much, or all that many, but Moshe Rabbeinu is communicating that the, you know, the, it's really based on Rav Hirsch. Rav Hirsch says that at this point of Moshe Rabbeinu's speech, Moshe Rabbeinu is describing the conceptions of God and man. Now, what is the conception of God and man? So we're going to see, for example, the Aserah Sedebros. They give us the basics of our relationship with God and our relationship with man. We have the Ben Adam Makom on the one side, Ben Adam Chavera on the other side. What does this have to do with Moshe Rabbeinu's separation of the cities? So when we talk about the conceptions of God and man, what we mean is that there are these two fundamental relationships that we have in our lives, God and man. And there are basics to understanding how to relate to those things. The conception of God is where Moshe Rabbeinu talks about how they had an experience, a divine experience. They sort of saw God, but they also sort of didn't see God. They saw some kind of laser light show at Har Sinai. Moshe Rabbeinu talks about that. That was only a conception of God. It wasn't the real full thing that they could not actually see, but it's the basic, basic conception of God. Now, Az Yavdil Moshe, the Ari Miklat, talks about what happens if you murder a person, whether unintentional or intentional, the, the Chumash goes through the laws of what happens then. The most basic conception of man is to, is to respect his existence, and even unintentional murder is very, very tragic and terrible, and it does not go unchecked. So the conception of God, the conception of man. These two come up in the Aserah Sedebris. Anochi Hashem, recognize Hashem's existence. Lo sirtzach, do not um, disrespect the existence of fellow man. You cannot murder. So it's a, yeah, so uh, this is all part of my, my large, larger essay and this comment of Hirsch. Very awesome stuff. Now, Rashbam, I'll just um, throw this Rashbam in because this is going to help us segue to the next parts. But Rashbam says that Moshe Rabbeinu's introduction has now just finished. So Ozyabdil Moshe is going to where Moshe Rabbeinu gets to the real meat and potatoes of his speech. Right, the, the, the Iker is coming right now. So Az Yavdil Moshe is separating from all the things that Moshe Rabbeinu spoke about until now from the real stuff, all the mitzvahs that he's actually about to elaborate on. So now we get to like the real, uh, the real meat of Mishnah Torah. That's how the Rashbam explains this uh, separation in the middle of the story. Okay, now in terms of the differences between the Asaras Adibros that are recorded here and the ones that are recorded in Parshas Yisro. So why do we have all these differences? So there are, there are various mafarshim that address it. You can look at Rav Hirsch and Meshachachma. Um, there's a Kliyakar and Meshachachma that talk about how Yisra was more geared towards the larger mankind, whereas now we're looking specifically at the Bnei Israel, the individuals of Bnei Israel who are entering Eretz Yisrael. So, for example, in Lo Sachmod, earlier in Yisro, it did not talk about your friend's field. It spoke about your friend's household, your friend's wife, your friend's animals. It did not talk about your friend's field. You know why? Because in the Midbar, nobody had fields. But in Eretz Yisrael, people are going to have fields. So in Lo Sachmod, in this week's parsha, Lo Sisave, Moshe Rabbeinu adds um, um, your friend's field. So, you know, um, this can be a basis for explanation of some of the differences, but that's all we're going to do for now. And now, finally, we get to that moment that I promised. I'm going to mention all of the, you know, this is the honorable mention of all the famous passages and Pesukim that appear in Parshas Vashanan that you should be aware of. 
They are, for example, that you who cleave to Hashem, so you are still alive today. That's from the intro to Kriyas Torah. We also have the Pasuk from Aleinu, that you should know that Hashem is God and there's no other. We have a similar Pasuk that we say, it's from the Simchas Torah liturgy, and it's, um, it's the Pasuk of, which means that you were made to know that Hashem is God and there's no other. So the um, Spartan actually say this every time they take out the Torah, I believe. But... Um, but this is a Pasuk that we say every Sikhas Torah. The Pasuk of Ezosatar Sher Sam Moshe, which I mentioned earlier, we say this during Hagba. We have one of the Pasukim from the Sheish Zechiros, Rachi Shemer Lecha, not to forget what you saw at Har Sinai, not to forget the Torah. Okay, we have the second Asaris Adibros, which are obviously very famous. Um, not as famous, perhaps, as the ones in Yisro, but still famous. We have Shman via Hafta, which, again, are super, super famous. And then, you know, because we, we say those, um, Shman via Hafta, I think, three times a day. If you count to Kriyash Mashalmita, Shachris, um, and uh, Mariv, and maybe four times if you say Shman via Hafta during, um, um, you know, during, um, after Berchas HaShachar by the Karbonos. So Shaman Hafta get a lot of mention. And then finally, we had the question of the wise son in Avadim Ayinu. So um, we, we say that, obviously, um, in the Pesach Haggadah. Anyway, that takes us through a very important Parsha. So much has been said, and hopefully you have plenty to think about and talk about this Shabbos for Parsha's Veschanan, among all the other um, aspects of this Shabbos from Shabbos Nachmud Tuba of all things which made it to the podcast this week. If you have any questions, comments, um, or recommendations, um, you just reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. It's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. And we have a WhatsApp group if you want to join that WhatsApp group where you can get all the uploads, all the updates, and, and, and the schedules for each week. So just let me know. I'll get you into that WhatsApp group. Okay. All right, that takes us through the Parsha. I hope you have a wonderful Shabbos Nachamu Tuba of and Parshas Vashanan. Next week we'll pick up with Parshas Akev. Thank you for joining us here at the database.